This is a message from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Grace Church is affiliated with Sovereign Grace Ministries. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. The speaker for this message is Craig Cabanis, the senior pastor of Grace Church. Well, we are starting a new series, as I mentioned, called Refocus. Today we're in Matthew 28. And what you're going to hear about in the next five weeks is a lot about foundations. And foundations are really, really important. And I've shared the boring illustration uh, of how my house, I've had two foundation failures in Frisco. And uh, so I'm going to tell you another foundation story today instead to make the point, because you know that one, uh, if you've been around, to make the point of how important they are. Last November or so, I'm eating... And all of a sudden, I feel something break in my mouth. Uh, it's a tooth, and it's not a slither of enamel. It's a chunk of tooth that comes out of my mouth. And so I look at it, throw it away, and go about my business like any guy would, because I fear all medical treatment possible. So, and which is really stupid. Like, is it going to grow back? I don't have baby teeth, so is this going to grow back? I don't know what I'm thinking, but I just don't address it. So about Christmas time, I'm eating something again, and boom, snap, a different tooth, bomb, chunk of my tooth comes out. And um, I got to stop eating gravel. And no, it wasn't. (laughs) So I take this chunk of tooth, look at it, throw it away, and still do what any guy does. I don't address the problem. And so now I'm thinking for a miracle that I'm going to have two teeth grow back magically. So in May, yes, it's what you think, in May... I am between services. I am serving the Lord. I am preaching the Bible. I am between services getting a little snicky snack so I have energy for the second service. And I bite down on a peanut and crack a third tooth breaks out in my mouth. Now, I'm not sharp, but at that point, I think there may be a problem because now I'm spitting out teeth like an NHL hockey player in a street fight, you know, a fist fight. I'm just spitting out teeth right now. And uh, so I think I better go address this. So I go to the dentist and fully get examined, look at the problem. And I'm thinking that he's just going to say, look, uh, it's hopeless for you. Let's just go ahead and yank all your teeth out. And, you know, I'll just gum gum it for Jesus up here or something. (laughs) So he does a full exam in my mouth. Three teeth are breaking, broken, gone. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I got more holes in my mouth than the, than the line for the Cowboys. And it is just uh, everywhere. So this is what he said. This is a quote. He sits on the second row right behind me. You can ask him. He has freedom to tell you my dental health. This is what he said when he looked in my mouth. You have the gums of a 20-year-old. Yeah, thank you. I've got the quicks to match it. You know, you've got the gun, you've got strong, what he's saying is you've got strong gums. And then he said, your, your bones are strong. And he began to talk about the foundation of my mouth. This is true. Ask him. I, I've got this strong foundation. So I got teeth breaking, but I got a strong foundation. And the point is that when you've got a strong foundation, you can address problems above the foundation if your foundation is strong. And the importance of a strong foundation in a house, in a mouth, in a family, in a church, in your faith, in your job, if there is a strong, healthy foundation, then you have a hope to address problems above the foundation. 
And in a church, this is so true. This is how Jesus said it. If you build your life on the rock, a strong foundation, then when winds come, when troubles come, it will not blow your house over because you are built on a foundation that is not moving like sand. And so, though it is not noticeable, I, had n- I have no idea about what the bones in my mouth are like. I'm clueless. I don't know. I never think of it. I never thought about it my whole life. But if we have a strong foundation, we're building on a strong foundation, then when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, there is a power to endure. And that is true for a church. And that's why in the next few weeks, I would like to look at some very foundational things. I'm not sure you're going to hear a lot of stuff that's new, that you've never thought of, never heard of. Wow. That's not the goal. I'm not trying to wow you with new truth. But I'm trying to look at some very basic truths that are foundational. That if we build upon that, if we get a healthy, strong foundation, challenges will come. But when they come, we will be prepared for them. We will be prepared to continue the mission God has given us because we're built on his word, which is our foundation. We're built on his truth. And today what I'm going to look at is a foundation that we want our church to be built upon because it is our core mission. It is the mission of the church. It is why we are here. It is what we are gathered for. It's why the church exists. It is is what God has called us to do. And this fall, we've talked about, we've just kind of silenced all the distraction and noise in our church. We just, if you're new here, we just cleared our calendar for the fall and we said, let's focus on these kind of core truths about our mission. What are we about? What are we called to? What are we trying to do? What, what is God calling us? And so that we strengthen our foundation as a church. And so what we did, if you're new here, is we consolidated, we used to do two services. So for the fall, we consolidated them into one. Uh, we used to do weekly, essentially weekly community groups, uh, uh, and we cut them into twice a month and just focused very clearly on busyness and getting our priorities of our time and how we steward our time right and clear and focused. And then we canned everything else in the life of the church. I think we're having a family meeting in October that's midweek. But besides that, we just canned the other ministries of the church, shut them down and said, let's focus on what is really clear and really important for us. So today, I want to lay a, a plank, so to speak, in that foundation to strengthen. I mean, this is something that actually is something that's part of our foundation. But I want to strengthen this. Uh, in us. So Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Here's what Jesus says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so these are some of Jesus' last words, the last recorded words of Matthew. 
in Matthew's gospel, where he is giving them something that is their mission, what they are called to do. And the context is really important. What has happened before he tells them to go and make disciples, what has happened is he's died on the cross for our sins. He's been buried and then he's been raised on the third day um, to defeat the power of sin. And now he is about to ascend to be at the right hand of the Father, and he is commissioning or sending his disciples out with a task, with a purpose. It is the mission of the church. And in the verses that we just read, there are three very distinct uh, sections or themes or kind of constituent parts. The first one is that he speaks about the authority for the mission. The authority for the mission. The second thing is that he talks about the work of the mission, exactly what is the mission. And then thirdly, he talks about uh, the promise of the mission. So I want to look at these three in order, the authority for the mission. Um, and then I'm going to spend less time than you might anticipate on the work of the mission, because I've got a few weeks to talk about that. Uh, and then I want to talk about the promise, uh, uh, his promise for the mission. So first of all, the authority for the mission. When we think about the mission of the church, we can quickly jump to um, what, what, it, what is our role? Uh, what do we do? Uh, what, what is our activity? Uh, what, how do I get in the game? What is the goal? What is our strategy? What's the plan, the mission of the church? Okay, we're going to have a mission. What, what do we do? But like all things in life, it never starts with us and what we do. It always starts with Jesus and what he's done. And that's very clear here. Here's how he starts the mission. He doesn't just say go. He doesn't start with go. He doesn't start with make disciples. Uh, He doesn't start with I'm with you. This is where he starts with. Verse uh, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have all authority. That's where it starts. What he says to them is, um, I'm going to make an announcement about who I am and my reign, and that will inform what I'm telling you to do. And you must never do what you're called to do without that in view, without that as securing you. All authority. Now, Jesus' whole ministry has been about authority. He has demonstrated authority over sickness. He's healed people. He's demonstrated authority over the devil. He's cast demons out of people. He has demonstrated authority over nature. He's spoken and storms have ceased. He's demonstrated authority over death. He's raised dead people to life. And so his whole ministry is about authority. Authority over the law, authority over the priest. He is the great high priest. Authority over the temple. He is the new temple. His whole ministry is about demonstrating the authority of God. What's changed now is that all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. What he's saying is my authority has been expressed as the son of God, God in the flesh, the God man. My authority has been expressed in a very local spot where I am. You know, he, he, he taught in a location. He cast demons out in a location. He healed people in a location where he was. Now he's saying, I'm about to be ascended to the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to demonstrate my authority, not just physically where I'm standing, but over every spot of heaven and earth. I'm ruling with absolute authority. And that is the key to understanding this, that Jesus has absolute power over everything and everyone. 
Jesus has the power to act however he wants, whenever he wants, upon whomever he wants. So what practical difference does that make for the disciples or for us as we look at this call to go? How does that inform us? Well, it makes all the difference because he has all authority and we are called to represent him under his authority. Our calling, our mission is to represent him in the world. And here's the key. He is fulfilling, he desires to fulfill his mission through us. He has the authority, but he's going to exercise his rule and his reign. He's going to reach a dying and lost world. He is going to recover and rescue people. He is going to adopt individuals into his family. He is going to do all of that because that's his authority. He's going to take people that are spiritually dead and give them life. He's going to take people that are spiritually blind and open their eyes. He's going to take people who are under the wrath of God, which is all of us without Christ, under the wrath of God, who are under judgment, and he's going to forgive all of their sins because of what he's done, if they will believe. So he's going to do all of these things. That's his authority, but he's going to do that through the church through people. And so he calls us to love people as his representatives. He calls us to invite people, call people to believe and to follow him. He calls us to teach people and help people grow to observe all that he commanded, as he says here. He calls us to do those things. So he is going to rescue sinners. He is going to incorporate them into his people. He is going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He has authority to do all of that, but he's going to do it through you. Amazing. All authority is given to me, so you go. All authority is given to me. See, I I think that it's easy to get all fearful you hear about Great Commission, whoa, okay, I better, unless we're talking about missionaries and that doesn't involve me, I'm about to get real guilty. Or if we talk about prayer or witnessing or evangelism, everybody can get real guilty real quick. P- part of that is because I just don't, I think we misunderstand. It, I think there's awkwardness and fearfulness and just downright weirdness in us because we don't get the first part. We may get, I'm obligated to tell people about Jesus. Maybe we get that and it feels like an obligation. But we, we don't live in the first part First part of this, Jesus is sovereign. He rules. He is acting. He is on the move. And he wants to use me. This is amazing. But it's his work. We tend to think it's about me and my work and what I'm doing and how am I relating and can I answer the questions? And my life's kind of messed up anyway. Would they really even listen to me if I told them about Jesus? What what if they ask some really difficult question and I get stuck and frozen and uh, what, what will they think of it? We get caught into so much stuff like that that we're just not thinking about God is ruling and reigning. He has all authority over everything. And he can take weak, Uh, relatively ignorant witnesses like me and like you, and he, through his gospel, can save people. But we don't often live with that thought. I remember a few years ago, I was praying for a guy, did not know the Lord, and I was praying for this guy to meet the Lord, and I was really praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with him, was getting to know him, talking to him, and really trying to get an opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. And so one day... Uh, he greets me, and I was just totally caught off guard by his words. And uh, I, I was just, 
flabbergasted. I, I did not know how to react. He walked up to me and very casually said, he's not a Christian, walked up to me very casually and said, so hey, Craig, say, so what's the good news? <laughs> and good news means gospel. That's literally, when you see gospel in your Bible, it means good news. So he says, hey, Craig, what's the good news? And I just froze. And I said, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, and it just started stammering a little bit and then sounded like a 12-year-old guy. Well, uh, hi, how, how, how are you, you, you doing? Uh, I, I just went, whoa, is this the moment? Am I supposed to say something right now? I just kind of froze. And I'm sure he just thought, what, what, is, what is up with you? I, what, just saying hi. How about a simple hi? Even the fact that I felt like that moment, I said, okay, now I got to lay out. Well, now that you mentioned what the good news is, first of all, you're a sinner. Second of all, you know, am I going <laughs> to... Like some non-relational kind of, uh, okay, you are, and, and, but if you would like to receive the Lord, huh? What? what? What's the good news? He's just saying, what's up? Que pasa? You know, what, this is what he's saying. What's going on? It's really that, that when that moment just, when I got caught, when the light caught me, it was like I, I realized, oh, this is about me. And what does he think about me? And are all my answers and my presentation lined up right now? That, I wasn't thinking about. Probably it wasn't even a moment to launch into it. It was a greeting. It was high. But I wasn't thinking about the Lord is ruling and reigning. And the Lord is orchestrating for me to be in this guy's life. And he's going to do all kinds of things in this guy's life. I don't know who else has been in his life. I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I don't know what's happening that's pushing him to the Lord. But the Lord is organizing all of this because he has all authority. And when I can sit back and trust that the one who has all authority is working his plan and I can rest and relax and believe that, it's very different. It's a very, it's a relief and a comfort to know that he does the saving, that we simply seek to represent him, to extend his love to people, that we don't have all the answers, but we simply seek to say, well, Jesus says, this is what he says in scripture. This is, this is who he is and what he's like, but he is the one that must do the saving and others must answer to him and not to us. He is the one who has all authority. This, this is not just a nice preamble. Well, Jesus, isn't, Jesus doesn't waste a word. He's not saying, let me write a nice preamble before I tell you what you're supposed to do. Well, this sounds kind of regal. All authority in heaven and earth. He's telling them that because they will need to know that. They will need to live in the good of that. And I was thinking about how would my life look different if I really got this? That if I, not in some kind of self-righteous way, we're not supposed to walk around as ambassadors of Christ. We're not like deputized. We're not Barney Fife deputized to go out and put everybody in jail for their sins or something like this. It's not like we are, that we're the sin police just going out and telling everybody what they're doing, something like that. We're representing him. Uh, we're here from headquarters. It's not that kind of a thing. We represent him. We do point people to his word. We do tell them where they stand before him according to his word. We, we certainly do those things. But if we really got this, if we really got that he is ruling and reigning and he is building a church, he is saving people, he is reconciling people to himself, and he's made us his ambassadors, his representatives, but he's doing the work, I think it would just change the way we relate. I mean, how, would, how might it look different for wor- at work for you tomorrow? How might it look different at school on Monday? If you realize Jesus is executing his eternal mission and I get to be a part of that. I'm representing him. I mean, how would it affect the quality of your work, for instance? If you knew that he has all authority, he's saving, I'm his representative. I am... I am connected to him. How would it affect our speech, our initiative towards others? 
I mean, if I thought Jesus is ruling and reigning and drawing people to himself, how might I view other people? Well, if I viewed them through his eyes, I'd probably be looking for the marginalized. I'd probably be looking for the suffering. I'd probably be looking for the weak in the first place. I was reading a book with my son, and uh, it was written by a pastor, and he is talking, he, he had this illustration of what he says every day when he drops his kid off at school. I think it might have been an elementary age kid, I can't remember, but... He said he has this mantra, this speech he gives his kid every day. It's the same speech when he drops him off in school. So the kid hears it every day. I only read it once. So I can't remember it all. But I remember the last thing he says to his son as he sends him into school each day. Calls him. This is what he said. And look out for lonely people. I thought that's the heart of the Lord. That's the Lord. If he has all authority... And he commissions us. So part of my commission, if I were to go into my day tomorrow thinking I'm on mission as his representative sent from him, he has authority. He's orchestrating. He's moving everything around. He's putting people in the next cubicle to me, in the next house to me, in the store with me, on the same sports team. He's orchestrated all of this by his authority to lead people to himself. Now, if I'm his representative and I read the Gospels one time, I think I'd come away with, if I'm going to have his eyes, I'm looking for the hurting. Who's alone? Who's isolated? We, we look at everybody, but that's a starting place. Who, who might the Lord be drawing? Who's rejected? Who's hurting? Who's lonely? That's, that's, that's who we get to bring the good news. Who's captive? Who's enslaved? That's who we get to bring the good news to. So he says, all authority. It's not just a nice phrase. It's not just a polite preamble. It's the basis for the mission. Without it, the other stuff becomes about us, about our inadequacies, or if we're good at this, it becomes about our strengths and look at us. It comes out of our church. It becomes about whatever. But if it's his authority, it's all about him over heaven and over earth. That is the authority for the mission. Secondly, the work of the mission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I love this word, therefore. All authority has been given to me, therefore. Because I have all authority, in light of this important truth, given this reality, here's how you should act. Go, baptize, teach, or going, baptizing, teaching. Now, in this verse, we've taught this before, but in this verse, there is a single command, there's a single verb, and then there are three participles, um, which is kind of um, supporting, uh, it supports the verb. The verb is make disciples. That's the verb, make disciples. And then there's these three other participles, go, going, it's translated in the ESV as go. There's a, there's a reason for that in the language um, that it, that in the Greek, in the, con, in the construction that it does that. But it's, it's literally going. So going, baptizing, and teaching. So he says, here's the command. The core command is, I have all authority, so you make disciples. That's the core command. And then there's the way we're to do that, the way the disciples were to do that. Uh, there is a going, a baptizing, and a teaching. 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. But the core is make disciples. And so we've talked about that for the last year or two, that our mission as a church is to make disciples. We want to make disciples who love Jesus, who love his people, and who love his world. People who love Jesus, love his church, love his world. Those are the kind of disciples, those are disciples that we're seeking to build. So to start with, what is a disciple? I'm going to spend a lot of time on that next week, so I'm not going to talk much about it today. But let me just say very briefly uh, that a disciple, the word literally is student or learner, but it's not someone just kind of getting some information. The disciples leave all they have and they follow Jesus. So it's a student or a learner uh, of Christ who follows him with their whole life. That's what it is. A disciple actually is. A disciple is like the 12. Now, we may not change our uh, work, our vocation. We may not drop our nets and then, you know, uh, walk with him, quit our job and wander with him for three years. I'm not saying that. They had something unique about them. But there's something that's not unique about them that they followed him with their life, that they followed him with their decisions, that they served him, that they leveraged what they had to serve, care for others, reach others, teach others. So there's certain things that that really transfer. And so in essence, he says to them, go make people, in my authority, go make people the way I've made you. Go reproduce. Go find other people who will hear of me and believe and will receive this glorious great news and will leave everything they have, at least in their hearts, to, to, to serve me, to make, make me the priority of their lives. Even if you continue to live in the same place and work the same job and raise the same family and whatever you're doing, but you're doing it following him. That's what a disciple is. Well, what is the process of these make? How are they supposed to do that? Well, he says three things. They're to, they're to go or there is a going. Uh, literally, it is going or as you go. Or we could even say, on your way, make disciples. So on your way, as you're going, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. It's interesting that they're called to change their location. They're called to move. They are called to, uh, they're called to go. But it's, 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 in essence, an outworking of normal life. As you are going, as you go. While you are moving, it's not a segmented part of life. This call, this mission is not to be a segmented part of life. Like this happens on two hours when I'm a part of an outreach down at the church or something like that. That is the the, the fulfillment of the call to make disciples. It certainly could be a part of it. But here he's saying as you go in the natural daily rhythm of your life, as you go about your way, make disciples. As you're going to school, have this in mind, all authority is given to me, make disciples. As you go to your job, all authority is given to me, Christ. All authority is given to Christ. Therefore, I am called to be about his purpose, his mission on the job. As I am with friends, as I am with family, as I'm doing or shuttling the kids around as an extra, to extracurricular activities, as I feel like a bus driver in the afternoons, if that's your life, as I am you know, diapering a little one and we're going down, we're playing at the park together, as I am shopping, as whatever it is you do in life, as we are going, we are to have this view that God has all, Jesus has all authority He's reaching people. He's building the church. And as I'm going, I'm to be in this process with this vision, with this heart, praying to be about making disciples. So again, it doesn't mean that I I quit my job to do that. But as you go 
on your job, that it's to be intentional in our lives under his authority to be about his mission. So we're gripped by his authority, and then we're sent as you go. It's not just something for missionaries in a foreign land. Now, it is for all of us, but the reality here is that we're all, in essence, missionaries of some part, in some way. We are sent. The word mission means sent. We are sent. We are all missionaries of a sort to bring the gospel wherever he has placed us. Some go to a foreign place, to the nations, as it says here. Not everyone does that. And so part of it is as you go. Now, uh, obviously, in this passage, in what he says to them and how they respond, for them it involves actually going other places. The apostles were sent initially to take the gospel. So some people are called to another place. Some people are called to another nation. Some people are called to a place where there is no witness to bring the gospel to them. So people are called to foreign and to distant lands. Some are called to go as missionaries to another culture, but all are called to participate in the mission. Some change their zip code, some change their hemisphere, but everybody is to be a part of what uh, he calls us to do to reach people. Uh, those who relocated, uh, the, the apostles all move and they go elsewhere to bring the gospel. And we can be glad that they did because we're here today because they took the gospel. It went out, it went to the nations. And that's us, by the way. We're the nations. We're not Jerusalem. Uh, I, I know that's commonly how we feel in America, that we are the center of the universe, that we are the apple of God's eye. Everybody, all believers, the apple of God's eye. But uh, when we say go to the nations, we are the nations, and they came to us, and we can be grateful. Now, we go to other places that need the gospel as well. But thankfully, they obeyed, and so we're here today. Um, When we think about the work of the mission we, we want to highlight each of the parts of the mission. So in the mission, he says, as you are going, make disciples, that we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Spirit, and that we are to teach them uh, to observe all that I've commanded you. If we camp on any one of those parts, we have an imbalanced mission. We don't have Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission was, as you are going, so in your life, or if you're called to another place, get there, and then in your life, as you are going, uh, reach people. So it's as we go, we, we seek to be a witness. And as we are a witness, we invite people to meet Christ. When they meet Christ, they are baptized. And after they are baptized, then we teach them the truth of the scripture. They're incorporated into a church. They learn the truth of the scripture and they grow and mature in him. So it's going, baptizing, and teaching. If we, if we camp on any one of those, we will be Imbalance. We will be out of shape. We will will be misshapen uh, in terms of our uh, in terms of our mission. So, if we emphasize going, and this is, I've heard all of these that I'm about to share with you, and probably sh- taught some of these. But if if we say if we emphasize going to the nations, if the Great Commission is in essence going to the nations, then most of us sit on the sidelines and never participate. And foreign missions becomes the mission. So what's the highest mission of the church? Foreign missions. Foreign missions is very important. But it's not all. Jesus isn't speaking to a select called few to participate. So if we make going to the nations the emphasis, we will have missions as the mission. If we make baptizing the mission, the mission, 
And by that, we mean conversion, evangelism and conversion. If we make conversion the mission, it just where I am, I'm to be a witness, I'm to be an evangelist. So if me as evangelist to bring conversions and baptism, if that's the goal, then nobody goes anywhere. And it all becomes about evangelism and the Great Commission come, becomes go and make converts. So go and get people to agree that Jesus is the Lord, get them to believe, get them to turn to him, and then the goal is accomplished. People believe. They receive eternal life. Wonderful. But, but that's not a full mission. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say the mission is evangelism. He doesn't say missions is the whole mission. He doesn't say evangelism is the whole mission. He says we must teach them as well. Teach them to observe, verse 20, all that I have commanded you. Now, what if we just make that the mission? What's the mission of the church? To raise up godly people and see them mature. If we do that, then we miss the going, we miss the evangelizing, and we just become a church that is inwardly focused, self-focused on getting everybody to grow in maturity in Christ. Um, But that's not the whole picture. We're to go, we're to evangelize, and we're to help individuals grow to know the Lord. We want the full emphasis. We want the entire mission. We want to go under the authority of Christ and be a church that is given to the entire mission, that we would be a people where everyone has on their mind, as I go into my life, I'm, I'm recognizing, I'm aware that God's called me to be a disciple maker, that I am to make disciples as I go. So I am praying I am looking. For me to be intentional as I go, it means prayer. I am not intentional as I go through my life if I'm not praying and asking God to lift my eyes to the harvest because my eyes naturally go, well, about that high. They go about right there looking at me, naturally. And so I need the Holy Spirit to lift my eyes. Jesus said, lift your eyes to look on the fields. They are ready for harvest. So I need to see that. I need to be aware. So I need to be praying, Lord, as I go, give me opportunities Help me to see. Help me to be aware in my daily life. Help me to be a person that is friendly, that is gracious, that is working for the glory of God, that is investing in others, that is listening, that is caring, that is giving, that is serving. Help me to be a person that's not self-centered but is other-centered and plenty of the others don't know you. Help me to be a person that's opening my heart, my life, my house, my, what I own, who I am, all that kind of stuff. Help me to go and be one that is building friendships, seeking to be salt and light in the culture, that is looking for spontaneous opportunities, that is calling people to come and see, that is inviting people to church, that is praying for people, that is serving, all that kind of stuff. Everything that's involved in introducing Jesus to people that don't know him. And there's a thousand ways that happens. So going, we want to be a church where everyone has that in mind, that we are sent and we are going. And let's, let's have in mind, let's be, a, let's be a church that is sending beyond us as well and is funding those beyond us as well. So this isn't a message on the nations today. I'm more preaching about us, but that's clearly uh, at the heart of the call here as well. Then secondly, when someone meets Christ, we are baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we're to go and we're to pray that people would meet Jesus and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, which means they are coming under his authority, under the authority of God. We'll be baptizing next week. Is it next week? 
Rob, is it next week? Get baptized. If you don't know the Lord, come talk to us afterwards. Let's introduce you to Jesus and get you baptized. That is wonderful. If you're a follower of the Lord and you've never been baptized, then next week is your Sunday. I can't wait. Exciting. So let's, let's get folks baptized that don't know him. And then once they meet him, let's teach them to observe all that Jesus taught, looking to help people grow however we can as we're encountering one another. What can we do to communicate the love of Christ, the grace of God to one another so that we help each other, we stir one another on, we spur each other to following the Lord. So we are to help one another. We're to listen to one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to encourage, we're to share scripture with one another. We're to be with one another. We're to build friendships together to help us grow in the Lord uh, together. Uh, We are to be patient with one another. We are to forgive one another. We are to invite one another into our lives and we're to support one another in their lives. We're to bear one another's burdens. All of these things are part of teaching one another, helping one another grow. We're bringing the scripture to bear in normal life together as a community of followers of Christ, as disciples. So we want a full emphasis. We don't want to just be, hey, we're all about out there. We don't want to be, we're just all about the nations. We don't want to be, we're just all about evangelism. We don't want to be, we're just all about gathering in a circle and helping uh, the convinced grow. We want to be about all of those in full measure. That is the commission that he gives them. I have all authority. I'm building my church. I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm ruling and reigning. I'm doing what I want to do as sovereign, glorious King Jesus, and you get to be a part of it. So as you're going, think about this and seek to be a witness to those who don't know and those who do know, seek to encourage them to follow and then to be a person who in turn goes out and makes disciples. So it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Now, I'm going to talk a lot more details, nuts and bolts about that in the coming weeks. But here's how he closes. This is wonderful, the promise for the mission. So there's the authority of the mission, there's the work of the mission, and there's this wonderful promise of the mission. The mission doesn't end with a command. It ends with a promise. Verse 20, and behold, behold means look, check this out, see this. Behold, look at this, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love the structure of this. We are given something to do in this passage, and it's wonderful. But just note that it starts with the authority of God. It finishes with the promise of his presence. Our role is in between there in the sandwich. It's like a grace sandwich. It really is. Actually, that part in the center is grace, too, ultimately. But it's grace. My authority, my presence, my mission, you get to get in on it. That's really what it is. You get to get in on it. You get to participate in the most glorious thing happening in the universe. That's what he says under my authority. It's tremendous privilege. When we go, he is with us. When we baptize, he is with us. When we teach one another to follow, he is with us. I'm with you always. When we're studying the word, he is with us. When we're on our job, he is with us. When we're rocking a baby, he is with us. When we're doing our yard work, he is with us. When we're reaching out to our neighbor, he is with us. When we are on his mission, he is with us. And get this, when we fail, he is with us. When we're weak and afraid, he is with us. 
when we need a fresh vision and the conviction of the Spirit and the power to change, he is with us. That's wonderful. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. He is with us. Well, he is about his mission, and it's working. And here's the proof. You're here. If God wasn't about his mission, you wouldn't know him. You wouldn't want to worship him. You wouldn't care about his word. You wouldn't care about his people. It's working. And you're the proof. And as you look around the room and say, hey, there's a lot of proof here, there's a whole lot of proof yet to be proven that's out there. There are plenty of people. They're no worse off than we were. They're no better than we are. They're no worse off than we were. But God rescued us and saved us. He, the, the fact that he is building his church, this is the proof. We know believers, imperfect people in an imperfect church, issues all over the place. Yes, but he is building his people. He is with us. He's exercising authority. He's empowering us, and he's calling us to, to give ourselves to his purposes. He's maturing people. He's doing wonderful things. He is sustaining and maintaining us. And I believe he's also launching us afresh as we refocus on what is his mission. Aware of his authority, comforted by his presence, and getting after what he's called us to do. Aware thinking and giving ourselves to what he's calling us to do. Hey, there's a lot of fruit in this room. There's children that are being raised in Christian families that are meeting Jesus and are growing in him. There's single adults being added to the family of Christ, making, uh, making relationships and being incorporated. Wonderful things. People singing, loving the Lord, serving. Wonderful, wonderful things. But could you imagine if all of us got this deep in our heart, deep in our soul, and lived this mission aware of his authority as we're going, intentionally thinking, praying, reaching, serving, loving, caring, speaking, evangelizing, and then investing in helping others continue to grow so that they can go out and do the same thing again. Can you imagine if every one of us was given to that, what could happen? What might God do? Many of us are given to this. Most, if not all of us, are given to parts of this. Many of us are given to this. Somebody's saying, hey, what if somebody got a clue and loved Jesus? No, 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 you do love Jesus. I'm just saying, what if all of us, starting with me, starting with the leaders, what if all of us began to embrace in a fresh way this mission? What might happen? As a church, we have a, if you're new here, you may not know this, but we have an indescribable opportunity in front of us. We, as part of the authority of Jesus, he gave us a plot of land in the center of Frisco Square, in the center of our city. He, he rules. He reigns. I have no idea why he picked us. I have no idea, but he said, I want you guys, I'm going to give land through a generous Christian who gave land to us right kind of over behind city hall. I'm going to give you land at Frisco Square to build at the heart of a city. And I think about that opportunity is at a place where uh, I think the numbers I saw were like 3.2 million people a year come through that area. Um, and, and there's building, I don't know if you've been over there recently, but there's a lot of stuff going on over there right now. Um, and so we're being given this opportunity to go and to locate and to center ourselves in the center of our city. Um, but I, I just don't believe the Lord did that so that we could all say, wow, 
we got a newer and a better spot to meet for 90 minutes a week. And so we can meet 90 minutes a week at a better location. Isn't that neat? I really don't think, I really don't think that that's the whole purpose. I think the whole purpose behind it is that we would be a people that are pulsing with Christ's mission and that we would headquarter that mission, that we would center that mission, that we would, we, would, we would sort of put that in a bullseye location. But it's not about gathering in a lo- different location. It's about being a different people. And here's what I realize is that sometimes God puts something or, or something happens on a calendar that just causes us to prepare for that. I mean, if you're going to get married... Have a wedding. We got a couple of weddings in the church coming up. If you got a wedding, I mean, you set a date, but then you got to start preparing and you got to start becoming uh, as you get ready for that. And so sometimes just having something in front of you uh, causes you to change. Or you've got company coming over for dinner. You know, why did we schedule this this night? We got so much going. On. And so everybody's they're showing up at six o'clock. So it's about time to pick up the dirty socks off the family room floor, okay, and start getting ready because people are coming over. And so maybe we should have always been keeping an orderly house, but the fact that something's on the calendar causes us to get our house in order for a reason. We should have always put our socks in the dirty clothes and not the sofa, okay? We should have always been doing that, but now there's something that's saying, hey, let's get our house in order because there's this in front of us. We should always, forever, since Jesus spoke this, all of the church should always, every Christian everywhere, should always recognize his authority, receive his grace, as we're going, seek to baptize and teach and know he's with us. Every, yes, and amen, always. But sometimes something happens that's in front of you, and you just say, okay, uh, let's, let's be who we're supposed to be with that in mind. And I think that's what our building project's about. We're going to be talking about that some of the next few weeks. But I think that's what it's about. It's not about a structure. It's about a people. But it puts something in front of us. We don't have an exact date. We're breaking ground. But it does put something in front of us that says, Lord, what are you calling us to be like as we prepare for that? I think here's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be a community that is aware of the authority of Jesus and is aware of his mission and what he is doing. We're just grateful to play a part. And we should be a people sent by him, filled with his spirit, living our lives with focus and intentionality as we go seeking to represent him, to love others, to serve others, to speak to others his truth, to relate with people who are far from God, people that we sometimes feel it difficult to relate to, but God is calling us to do that, to care for the marginalized and the outcast, to look for them, to find people who are bound in religion that think they're okay with God because of what they do and introduce them to the freeing message of grace so that they can come free from their chains of religious moralism and experience new life in Jesus. We're to look for those people, love them, serve them. We're to see people baptized. I I heard a guy this week, oh, well, yeah, I heard a guy this week say, and he he pastors a huge, you would know his name if I told him, to a huge, huge church. But he said one of the best things that has happened in our church is we have baptisms every other week. We're, We're Maybe like, I don't know, one, uh, one to 5% of the size of that church. But I said, yes, yes, that would be wonderful to believe God that we could do baptisms every other week. 
That'd be wonderful to have that kind of revival. I'd like to believe God for something like that. That we could train people to know Jesus, to walk with him in all of their lives. They could serve him, know his word, pray, know how to serve others, know how to care for others, know how to take someone under their wing and help them get the basics of the faith down and grow and then send them out to do the same thing. People that could reproduce by the grace of God. To be ascending people. What if we were ascending people where God would raise up church plants from within us and send them to other cities? I don't know, maybe other nations. I don't know. But what if that's what I think? I don't think God wants, man, you guys need a nicer building. I don't think that's what God's about. I don't think he cares about nicer buildings. I think he cares about locations because locations are central Uh, key locations are central to connecting with a culture, with a city, with a people. I think he cares about location. He uses location. But I don't think he cares about a different building. I think what God is trying to build in churches is he's trying to establish by his grace, under his authority, with his presence, through his word, well-oiled disciple-making machines. Not really machines, personal. It's a a metaphor. But a well-oiled disciple-making machine where he knows that when people are brought into that place, they'll get loved, they'll get taught, they'll get cared for, their marriage will get help, their work life will get help, their kids will get help. That he knows he's at work and the people are committed and the foundations are strong and people understand and are clear on what is the purpose, the mission. This right here, this mission, the foundations are strong so that the people are reproducing and there's growth and there's life. And even when there's a breaking of the tooth, even when there's a shattering, even when there's some problem, even where there's a, a mark or a section where there's a lack of health, there is a strong foundation. And that, by the grace of God, can be repaired and can be fixed and can be stronger than ever. He redeems. Those weaknesses may, are made strengths. He always works through weakness. He always works through weakness. But he wants us to be clear. He's with us. It's his authority. It's his presence. It's his mission. And we get to play a part. I've talked mostly at like 30,000 feet today. I haven't dipped down into a lot of specifics. I want to do that in the coming weeks. But I want us to just be clear on Jesus' mission for his people. His mission is as we are going, go, therefore, and make disciples of all peoples, all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, that is, look, remember, check this out. I am with you always. He's with us. Let's ask him to use us. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org. 